Shalom. This is Mark Robinson, Executive Director of Jewish Awareness Ministries. Welcome to Jewish Awareness Podcast, a teaching ministry of Jewish Awareness Ministries. On Friday nights at our headquarters, we host a Bible study. Generally, we do verse-by-verse studies of different books of the Bible. Through the years, these studies have looked at the books of Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, and Hebrews. At times, we will have studies devoted to Jewish cultural events or issues relating to Israel and prophecy. These studies can be viewed live through the JAM Facebook live stream platform on Fridays. If you have questions or would like additional information, go to our website, jewishawareness.org. Email us at office at jewishawareness.org or call us at 919-275-4477. This information will be repeated at the end of the podcast. Enjoy the Bible study. But there are two groups in view here. One uh, are those who truly possess the Lord, so they're usually referred to as uh, possessing believers. Truly saved, truly possess the Lord. Then there's another group, and these are Jewish people who possess the Lord and who have been truly saved. And then there's another group who are professing believers, Jewish people who have professed the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, but they're not truly saved. And they are in danger of um, falling back to Mosaism. And I use Mosaism, although there was Judaism at the time. Uh, Mosaism, because there was a temple standing, there were the sacrifices, the high priest, and so on, where, where Juda- Judaism is the, is the religion of the rabbis. And uh, certainly the Pharisees were around at that time. The Pharisees are the, um, the uh, oral law party, if you will. They are the ones who... Uh, uh, ministered in synagogues around the country uh, after the Babylonian captivity is when synagogues were introduced. And you can read the whole earlier scripture, what we call the Old Testament, and you won't find one mention of Pharisees. You won't find a mention of Sadducees. You won't find a mention of all these uh, first century groups that we'll read about in uh, the later scriptures, the New Testament. So the Pharisees came onto the scene and um, were the party of the people. And they were involved in the synagogue. The Sadducees, in contrast, were the party of the aristocrats. They were the elite of society, and their entire function, purpose, was around the temple. The high priest, which at this point in, in history, and for many, many years prior to this, Uh, The office had been bought and sold. It had become very corrupt. And so the people despised the Sadducees. They were very small in number, two or 3,000 total. Not that the Pharisees were large. There were some 6,000. But the Pharisees were loved by the people. The Sadducees were despised by the people. So I, I make that distinction between Mosaism and rabbinism or Judaism, if you want to call it that, because Mosaism is more of what Moses gave, 
based around the temple and sacrifices and holidays and, and things of that nature. Where rabbinism, they will, will um, meld together, uh, syncretize, syncre, syncre, syncretize, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, uh, mosaism to a limited degree anyway, and rabbinism, and, and you get Judaism. Uh, out of it, because obviously you can't have Mosaism today, Mosaism being Moses. Uh, there's no temple, there's no sacrifices, there's no priesthood, and, and, and on and on and on and on. Um, and so, you know, even when we have the Passover Seder, the Passover Seder we to do uh, presently has certainly um, remnants of what it was like in the first century and, and, and prior to that. Uh, but it's certainly not the same. One of the things we don't do is we don't uh, take a lamb to the temple and slaughter the uh, lamb and uh, have it for dinner that night. And, and the only place you were to slaughter that lamb for Passover celebration worship was at the temple. And Passover was one of the three pilgrimage festivals. I'm, I'm getting digressing way too much. But anyway, Passover is one of the three pilgrimage festivals. That means all the males were required. Shavuot was another one, Pentecost, and Tabernacles or Sukkot. That, those were the festivals that the males were, were required to go to Jerusalem for to worship. So they would bring their families and Jerusalem would swell beyond its uh, capacity, really. Uh, but they would worship there, offer the sacrifice of the lamb, edible parts they'd have for the Seder that night. It's not done today. There's no temple. So it's, uh, there are remnants of uh, biblical Passover, but it's not the same um, in every way, certainly. Although the Seder, Seder meaning order. See, when, when Jewish people talk about Passover, they usually talk just about the, uh, the Seder. You, they, and if they say Seder, they know what they're talking about. And so they don't have to say Passover Seder. They just say Seder. Um, you, know, you know, are you going to have a Seder this year? You know, where are you going for the Seder? That type of thing. And Seder means order. And the order of the Passover has been the same for uh, millennia, certainly centuries. So the Pharisees were the oral law people, and they ultimately became modern-day uh, Judaism today as Pharisaical uh, Judaism. So what you had here at this time, though, with the temple standing, is you had more of a Mosaism than Pharisaism, uh, although there would be an admixture of that, especially if you did go to the synagogues scattered around the land and worship there. So there is this danger of some of these Jewish pro professing, not truly saved, professing believers, they were in danger of going back to Mosaism. And so as we go through Hebrews, we've looked at one already. There are five warning passages. Chapter 2 has a warning passage. We'll see one in chapter 4. We'll see one in chapter um, uh, 6, I think. Yes, 6. And then one in 10, and then one in 12. Uh, so these are warnings not to go back 
And why? Because what we are looking at is the fulfillment of everything mosaism shattered or picture or told us about, which is Jesus, the Messiah. So Hebrews is a book of contrasts. Uh, Jesus is so much better, and you've got this litany of subjects that Hebrews covers that are important to the Jewish world. It starts out in chapter 1 in verses 1 through 3, <coughs> where it presents, this, and, and it doesn't even, okay, let's see how many remember. Uh, when do we first come in, or when are we first confronted with the name Jesus in the book of Hebrews? Thank you, Tom. Somebody paying attention here. So you go through all of chapter 1, you go through eight verses of chapter 2, uh, and then in 2.9 it says, but we see Jesus. And what the writer of Hebrews, and you know, I don't know who wrote Hebrews, God wrote Hebrews, but anyway, the human author of Hebrews. The first three verses, it presents the son as the prophet, priest, and king. Those are the three anointed offices. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah, or the son back there anyway, which is Jesus. Uh, the son is the anointed one, the Messiah. And then it shows us why he's so much better than angels. You have that, the whole rest of chapter one, uh, you have that, you have the warning passage in 1 through 4, 5 through 8, you have also Jesus is better than angels. Why? He's God. He's Jehovah God. Plain and simple. Then in verse 9 of chapter 2, you have that phrase, um, but we see Jesus. And this is, as I've said before, a great primer um, remember how you, when you were in, I don't know, first grade, second grade, you had a primer, remember? Um, now you have tablets. But anyway, for those of us who are older, we had primers, you know, little books on C, C Dick, Run, and C, Jane, Run, and Dick, and Dick and Jane, and who else was in that? Wasn't, didn't they have a spot? Spot, the dog's spot. So, okay, some of you are as old as I am. Okay, some of you are looking at me and saying, what is he talking about? Uh, Dick Jane and Spot. Okay, anyway, um, so this is a good primer introduction to Jewish evangelism. You don't even mention Jesus until chapter 2, verse 9, but you, there's prophecy after prophecy from the earlier scripture, from the Jewish Bible, uh, from the Old Testament, that, that tells us of the Messiah. Uh, and then the, the conclusion, but we see Jesus. Same type of thing. Well, end of chapter 2, um, we covered that. Chapter 3, you know, we looked at some of this last week. The, the beginning of this chapter, and this is in your notes, shows how superior Jesus is to Moses. Because angels were very important in biblical Judaism. God delivered the law through the hand of angels, for example. Angels you know, were entertained by Abraham. Two angels, one other man there was Jehovah. Uh, one uh, angel, the angel of the Lord, destroyed, what, 185,000? Assyrians, when they were causing Israel problems, don't give Israel problems, people. Um, so, and so angels were very important. But the, the, probably the next stellar personality 
in the Jewish world was, was Moses. And there is a saying, from Moses to Moses, there's none greater than Moses in the Jewish world. From Moses the lawgiver to Moses Maimonides, who was a great scholar, doctor, rabbi in the Egyptian court in the 12th century. Uh, it's a play in words. From Moses to Moses, there's none greater than Moses. So the very next personality that the writer of Hebrews is, is sharing with um, these all the Jewish people, but as much as anything, the professing Jewish believers is that Jesus is so much greater than Moses. That's what he's feeling. So, and I've got it here. From Moses of the Torah to Moses Maimonides, there's none like this. Now, <clears throat> we looked at six things at what Moses did that made him very unique as an individual. We looked at uh, the front and the back part of this sheet. It, we only looked at verse 1 last week. And uh, verse 1, we're for brethren, we're for holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So, the whole, this verse here is, is predicated on everything that came prior to this, which I pretty much summarized, uh, left out a few of the things uh, here. But everything in this phrase or this verse, verse 1, the challenge, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So it's predicated on him and who he is, why he's so much better than the prophets, the angels, and, and is the Messiah, and so on. We looked at the four truths that were, are in this verse. We looked at our position, holy brethren. And we're not going to belabor these at all. Our position, our, we're holy brethren. We, we looked at our focus. We are partakers of the heavenly calling. So our focus should be on heaven, on the kingdom. Set your affection, Colossians says, not on things below, but on things above. So our, our focus should be on our heavenly calling. Our thoughts, consider the apostle and high priest Christ Jesus. So our, our, our thoughts should always be focused on him. Who he is, what he's done, what he wants for us. Whatever activity I get involved in, what would Jesus think of this? That type of thing. So our thoughts, uh, we consider the apostle and high priest Christ Jesus. Then our, our profession is Christ Jesus. And we looked at that and our profession or our, uh, to confess him. We confessed him as our Savior and Lord to get saved. But he is to this day our profession, our confession to the world around us. There is no other Savior, there is no other Messiah. There's no one else coming. He has come, as the prophets had promised. So we looked at our profession. Now, look at uh, the next page, verse 2. And again, all of this is, all these six verses tie around the contrast now that we're going to look at that Jesus is so much better than Moses. That, that's, and so these six verses all really go together. So consider Jesus and those things who, verse 2 we're looking at now, who was faithful to him that appointed him 
as also Moses with faithful in all his house. So consider Jesus. He was faithful to everything that was appointed to him. Now Moses was faithful as well in all of his house. Look at, look at Numbers chapter 12. I don't have all of these verses down there. Numbers chapter 12, 8 through um, 7 through 8. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently in not and dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold, whereof then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. Now, these phrases like mouth to mouth, and later on in Exodus, I know, uh, it says that, uh, God spoke to Moses face to face. You know, you probably heard that. It's an idiom. You know, it doesn't mean that God's here and Moses is here, you know, and, and they spoke. Although there are times, yes, that God did take on flesh, Abraham, for example, and speak with Abraham, spoke with um, Judges 13, and um, who's the guy in Judges 13? Man Manasseh. Uh, there's those times, but what this idiom means, it means a full revelation, a complete revelation. Because obviously he didn't speak, you know, they weren't kissing or anything like that. Mouth to mouth, face to face is an idiom that means full revelation. And uh, I'll digress for a moment. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter, um, and we're not going to spend much time. I don't want to get into this, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> now, this is in the section, chapter 13, the, the, the primary theme of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is love, right? Love doesn't do this, and love does do this, and, and that type of thing. Um, then when we get down to verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And, and, the, and the point here is not to get into a study on the gifts and the perfect. I, don't, I just want to point out one thing to you face to face. Uh, but there's no less than five different, that I'm aware of, um, explanations of what the perfect is. No less than five. Now, obviously, all five can't be correct, right? Now, all five could be wrong, right? You know, you, you, you're familiar with logic to, to some degree, one or you know. You can have, every, you, you know, if you have five possible choices, and if, if all of those choices are, are, are different, Logic tells us that at least four of those choices are wrong. But it's possible that all five of those choices are wrong, right? Yeah. And there's a sixth explanation that nobody's come up with, um, which is the correct one. Well, I think you find the correct answer in one of them. But I'm not, I'm not teaching in 1 Corinthians 13. Then that which is in part shall be done away with. 
Uh, and, and perfect is the neuter, by the way. It's in neuter. It's not masculine. Um, and it literally is teleos, when that which is complete comes. That should give some kind of indication. You know, some people, uh, I'm going too far into this. Some people say this is the maturity of the ch church. And some people say it's the coming of Jesus. And, and, and some people say it's the coming of the millennium, the end of the tribulation. Anyway, that which is perfect has come. Then verse 11, I say I'm not going to go too far down this road, hopefully. Uh, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, is what he says. So when I was a child, I, I, I lived like a child. When I matured, became a man, you put away the training wheels. You put away the childish things. Now, um, <clears throat> then verse 12. And again, I, 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 my intention is not to teach on this, but to, it's verse 12 I want you to see. Um, I know I keep on hedging my bed here. Um, look at verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. This is that Hebrew idiom that you find many times back in the earlier scriptures Mouth-to-mouth -mouth would be the same type of idiom, face-to-face, -face, when Moses uh, was with God and he spoke face-to-face. -face. And face-to-face -face is an idiom that literally means full revelation. And we could look at James and we could look at, but again, I'm not going down that path. Hold me to my statements. Okay, I know, I know. Okay, Cheryl, you hold me to these statements. Um, you know, um, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know even as also I am known. Well, all of this, and if, we, if, we were, if I was going to teach this fully, we would interact with every position and explain the strengths and the weaknesses of every position. Now, I am convinced, and, and, and you can take it at face value, that the perfect is the word of God. Because now we see dimly, darkly, not clearly, not a full revelation. And when this was written, what did, was there a full revelation? No. First Corinthians is one of the first books written of, the, of what we call the New Testament. They had a whole bunch of books that still had to be written. And then we had a, after revelation was completed, we had a complete, full Revelation, and we see clearly. Doesn't mean we see everything, but face to face literally means full revelation. Well, that that's what it's talking about um, in Numbers chapter twelve and verses seven and eight. Here, though, it uses the phrase um, mouth to mouth. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all. Moses is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, and and God gave. At this point to Moses, a complete, full revelation. Now, what was the complete, full revelation that God gave to Moses? Both of you are partial, right? Thank you. <laughs> the law. The law. The Ten Commandments are just part of the law. 
they're not the, they're, 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 you know, according to the rabbis, I've never counted them. Um, they do have them written down. There's 613 parts to the law. Um, if that's true, 10 commandments are just 10 of 613. That makes them one uh, over 60.13. Am I correct on that, uh, Ray? Yeah, he's nodding his head. Yeah, I'm sure he's, he's smiling like, I have no idea. <laughs> you know. But anyway, so the Ten Commandments are just a small portion uh, of the law. But the full, God gave to Moses, for the Jewish people, the entire Mosaic law, the full revelation of the Mosaic law. That's what he's saying. So mouth to mouth, face to face, speaks of, of full revelation. And was Moses faithful in that regard? Yeah, he, he, he disseminated that to the Jewish people. He disseminated that uh, to the nation of Israel. He was faithful. Um, go back to Exodus chapter 40. In Exodus chapter 40, verses 3 through 14. And, and let's pick it up in verse 1. The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the congregation. And then in verses 3 through 15, And thou shalt put there in the ark of the testimony, cover the ark with a veil, and thou shalt. And what you have over and over and over again, um, verse 3, thou shalt. Verse 4, thou shalt. Verse 5, thou shalt. Verse 6, thou shalt. Verse 7, thou shalt. Verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, verse 12. Verse 13, verse 14, and verse 15, and thou shalt. Now, was Moses faithful? Yeah. He did what he was called to do. Now, six times the phrase, as the Lord commanded Moses, is used uh, in, in chapter uh, 40. I don't know if I have these um, down here. I think I have them in, in, in some of them. Um, Look at verse 19. And he spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle, put the covering of the tent above upon it as the Lord commanded Moses. Look at the end of verse 21. Uh, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 23, as the Lord commanded Moses. 25, as the Lord commanded Moses. 27, the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29, as the Lord commanded Moses. Moses, verse 32, as the Lord commanded uh, Moses um, repeatedly. But then notice verse 33. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging court. So Moses finished the work. Was he faithful? Yeah. 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 That we would be as faithful as Moses was. Uh, we have a lot of thou shalts. We also have a bunch of thou shalt nots. And, and the Lord has commanded us, right? To do a variety of things in our lives as believers. And, and would be that when uh, we're finished with our life, that the testimony of God would be that uh, we finished the course. We finished the work. We finished what God has told us to do. Well done, right? Thou good and faithful servant. Well, Moses was very faithful uh, in his house. Yet he was a sinner. You know, he was a sinner. Um, <clears throat> Numbers chapter 20. We got, we got new Haggadah in today. 
It's a very colorful agata. But it, it, Bob, I'm going to tweak you tonight. Um, and I showed the and I, and I showed the the picture of Moses parting the sea and the water standing up, and it says they're not congealed though. Anyway, we'll just leave it right there. So, <laughs> well, they were correct, in other words. Okay, um, it's kind of a private joke between, uh, you know, Bob and myself. That's why you didn't get it. It's, it's a private joke, that's right. So, anyway, be that as it may. Um, where were we? Um, no, Numbers chapter 20 and 8 through 12. Uh, Moses was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, verse 7, the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, gather thou assembly together, thou and Aaron uh, thy brother, and, you shall, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth uh, his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation their be beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered together the congregation be together before the rock, and he said unto him, Here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And lo Moses lifted up his hand with the rod, and he smote the rock twice. What did God tell him to do? Speak. He was perturbed with his fellow Israelites. You rebels, you won't listen, you're, you're rebellious to God, and what does he go out and do? He's just as rebellious as they were. He wasn't making a golden idol, but he was just as rebellious as they were in that sense. He smote the rock twice. They got their water, uh, but the Lord was not pleased, verse 12. The Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Now, you might think that's an awful heavy punishment for just hitting a rock, even twice. You know, I, I've been traveling for years. I'm, I, I want to bring this people into the land you promised them. And, and you tell me, Lord, I, I can't go into the land now just because I struck the, the rock? Uh-huh. Sometimes sin has um, results that uh, we are not pleased with. Hey, our great, 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 whatever, grandfather ate a piece of fruit. And what happened there? Look at all the ramifications of eating a piece of fruit. You think not going into the land was heavy? Look what happened. If you eat that fruit, you're going to die. And all the heartache that's come into the world from one seemingly innocuous act, but is rebellion against God. Yes, Tom. Well, the Lord in the Old Testament is called the rock, number one. Um, some people see it as a picture of, of the Lord. Um, and uh, do we have, you know, Jesus was struck once. Um, you, got, you, got, you, you need to be careful with, um, our whole last issue of the magazine was typology. You know, Christ the Passover. Um, 
Christ, uh, the Day of Atonement, or Messiah, the Day of, and what was the others? Uh, the Bridegroom. And then there's Messiah in the Tabernacle. But when it comes to, to pictures of, of the Lord, and you, you, we have to be careful. Um, because sometimes they, they are definitely types that the Bible speaks of. It's Passover clearly, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. First fruits. Jesus is the first fruit. You know, and so you can, you, these are clearly types. Then you get into things that seemingly are obviously types, but the Bible doesn't speak them of them. Uh, as types, um, you, know, you get Joseph, for example, and what he did, and that type of thing. All of that to say, Jesus was struck just once for the sins of the world, as it were, right? Died once for the sins of the world. And, and, and to um, get the, the living water that we need, do we have to re-crucify him? No, some teach that. No, you don't have to do that. To, to get that living water that he provides, the Bible says, whosoever shall call, speak on the name of the Lord, shall be, call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And so speak to the rock and you'll get the water of life, not eternal life here, but you know. So is that a type? Yeah, I, you gotta be careful is all I'm saying. You can definitely tie the two together and see the picture. Um, and it says when Christ was that rock, you know, it, it could also be referring to, to God as our rock. It talks about in the earlier scripture. And, and certainly that rock was Jesus. So, you know, anyway, types you've got to be careful with. You know, we did the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. But that's very clear in the scripture. You know, we're the bride. And so much of what is said in the New Testament ties in with Jewish marriage customs. And so we can see that picture that, and then the fulfillment or the anti-type, which is the full, so that's clear. Um, but like the, like the tabernacle, I remember years ago in a school that I will not mention that I was a part-time teacher that one of the other teachers, professors, whatever you want to call it, doesn't, you know, Bob just calls me Mark. He doesn't call me teacher. He doesn't call me professor. He just calls me Mark. Right, Bob? There you go. In public. <laughs> what he tells his wife about me is a completely different story. But I remember I was told that one of the men, the professor, the teacher, was speaking on teaching on the tabernacle. And the prior class, which was another teacher, professor, had taught on types in the Bible and uh, said, we got to be very careful when what we attribute to being a, a type. Because if you read books on the tabernacle, people will say every little nail, every little cap, every little whatever, in that is a picture some way or another of Jesus. Um, well, the Bible doesn't say that. And uh, so as this other professor taught that you got to be very careful and gave that, well, 
lo and behold, this next professor comes along and teaches on the tabernacle. That was, I guess, the entire class for 22 or 3 hours or whatever it was teaching. And he started, and one of the students said, I, just, I got a question. What justification do you have to say that that's a type? And he didn't have an answer. He said, well, uh, uh, let's go on to the next point. Um, I wasn't in the class. I don't know exactly what. He, but the student had learned exactly what was correct from the previous class. <laughs> and then the, the juxtaposition of this whole thing was the, the next class or the next module. These were three-week modules with three classes for three weeks, each an hour and a half a day, 22 and a half hours of of subject over a three-week period. Um, and the next module, as I remember, had the, the types, and uh, it was just the timing of it. And, and so we just need to be careful. That's all I'm saying. When, you know, we want to stay as biblical as possible. So is, is Joseph a picture of Jesus? The Bible doesn't say he is. Um, now, can we compare Joseph's life to Jesus and say, well, you know, they, they parallel in many ways. You know, uh, you know Joseph was, went into Egypt and Jesus went into Egypt and they came back and Joseph was lowly and Jesus was lowly and, jo and Joseph ended up as the head of the country or second in charge anyway and, and Jesus is going to be crowned king. Of, you know, so, well, there's parallels there, but, but the Bible never says Joseph is a type. We're never going to get through this lesson. <laughs> so all I'm saying is you, you need to be careful. You know, when we have an Old Testament teaching and, or, or a, and, and a, a clear teaching of that concept in the New Testament, we can see it. I mean, we can see in Yom Kippur, in Hebrews, we're going to, one of these years, Lord willing, uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 9 and 10, we're going we're gonna to see the Day of Atonement and how it foreshadows, pictures Jesus. So clearly, the Day of Atonement is a picture or a type of Jesus and what he would do. Uh, we see it in the Passover. We see it in the first truths. But, but there are times that we have to be a little bit more circumspect on that. So be it as it may. Okay, Moses was a sinner. He was faithful. So faithfulness doesn't mean you're perfect. Because if God in, in expected perfection out of us, how many of us would, would, would pass? None of us. So thank God for 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I, hear, I see the wood burning. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's for fellowship. We don't have to confess our sins to be saved. I was saved when I was 27. Cheryl was saved, what, five or six? I don't know how, what, we talked you know, when she was young. I guarantee, well, maybe not. Uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure I had a lot more sins in my life at 27 than Cheryl did by the age of five. If I would have had to figure out, confess all my sins, I'd have to sit down with a piece of paper 
and try to, well, let me see in first grade. What did I do in first grade that, you know, that I sent? And second grade, and third, and, 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 you know. No, that's for fellowship. And that's why some have said that we need to keep short accounts. In other words, when you do, we do sin, Moses sinned. Confess that. It's for the whole concept, the whole context of 1 John chapter 1 is fellowship with the Lord and having fellowship, not only with the Lord, but others. You know, when you read 1 John and, and, and John says, my fellowship is with the Father, you know, without turning there and looking at it and what it says. And he says, I, basically he's saying, I want to have fellowship with you, but my fellowship is with the Father. And so I'm, I, as it were, I'm up here fellowshipping with the Lord. You're down here in your old sinful ways, child of God. I'm not coming down here to meet you. You need to come up here and fellowship with the Lord. And when you're fellowshipping the Lord, then we can have fellowship together. So how do we have fellowship with the Lord? First thing we do is we don't say that we have no sin because then what? We're a liar. And the truth is not in us. We confess our sins. And when we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just, forgives our, us all of our sins, uh, and we are restored to fellowship with the Father, and we are restored to fellowship with all others who are fellowshipping with the Father. So I, I've always taught, we have people here at different stages of maturity. We have people who have been saved in the last four years. Right, Charlotte? There you go. And we have people saved here who have been saved 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Now, one would think the one who's been saved for 40 years knows a little bit more than Charlotte, because only for time-wise. Well, I, I know it's not. Well, yeah, I, yeah. Bob's my commentary. Um, you know, it's, I love you, Bob. Does he do this to you at home, Donna? Yes, okay. <laughs> Keep it up, Bob. That's fine. Um, not necessarily. But, but, you know, logic tells us if you've been saved for 40 years, you should know more about the Word of God than somebody who's been saved four years, Right? So I recognize that in any group of people, there are different peoples, different people in different um, levels or stages of understanding. I fully understand that. Um, but I refuse to come down here. I'm going to stay up here. And I, t and I tell people, you know, um, ultimately, you, you know, you may listen to something and say, whoo! It just went right over my head. I didn't understand a word he said. Uh, you know, and I wasn't even speaking Greek. Um, because I want to bring you up here and not down here. Now, in 1 John 1, is talking about fellowship. Uh, and that type, but I, uh, so I apply that same type of thing to teaching. So I, I think we, you know, yeah, Hebrews. And we're, when we get into Hebrews chapter 5, it'll talk about milk. And they were not able to take meat. Well, who drinks... Well, wait, let me rephrase that. I drink melon. Um, I had it this morning with my, with my Cheerios. 
babies only take milk, right? They don't, they have no teeth, you know. Someone said, you, come, you go out of the world the same way you come into the world. No hair, no teeth, and your diaper's being changed regularly. You've heard that before, haven't you? Babies can't eat meat. You know, they can't chew. And so the illustration is spiritual babies in chapter 5 and going on into 6 and so. And, and, and don't be spiritual babies. You can only take the milk of the word, but you need to get to the meat of the word. Well, milk is for, for, for immature. You know, when I was a child, uh, you know, what, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, did this as a child. But when I matured, when I became a man, when I grew up, I put away childish things. And, 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 that, and in our learning, we need to put away, we need to get into the meat of the word. Um, so the, there are places and times for um, basics. And, and I hope that any Bible study that I teach that everybody can go out of it with something. Okay? Um, whether you're a brand new believer or whether you've been studying the scripture for 40 years or 70 years like Bob. <laughs> I would hope everybody can get out with something you know, when I, when I was growing up as a Christian, I was saved at 27. So I didn't grow up as a Christian until I, I was, and I was a neophyte. I was a babe, as everybody who is a, originally newly saved is a babe. Um, I, 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 knew, I knew very, very, all I knew was I was saved, by and large. And when I would go and listen, I would go to every Bible study I could that I was aware of. I would go to every church service that I was aware of. And I fully recognized that there were some things that I didn't understand what the guy was talking about. I said, well, let me try to learn two or three things from this service or this Bible study. Even one thing. If you go to 100 teaching opportunities, worship services, Bible studies, whatever the case might be, if you go to 100 per year and you learn one new thing at each study, that means in a year, you've learned 100 things about the Word of God that you didn't know previous. Next year, you'll have 200 and, th and, and that type of thing. Um, I don't know why I got onto this. But anyway, I did. Um, okay. Jesus was faithful in all things. Matthew five seventeen. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus was faithful in all things. He was fully kept the law of God. Jesus said to the Father in Luke 22, 42, other times too, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. See, Jesus was faithful in everything. Jesus kept the law Totally, 100% of the time. Now, and we may not even get past verse 2 tonight. I was really hoping to finish, but I, I, okay, the, I want to. The law is made up of, generally speaking, two parts. What are those two parts? 
No, that's three parts you're thinking. I'm thinking, generally speaking, that you're thinking of the ceremonial and the civil and the moral, and that's, that's correct. I'm thinking in another um, vein. Um, look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. You're not incorrect, Tom, but I'm thinking in a completely different vein. Let me, let me phrase it this way, and then maybe it'll be better. But what are the two promises that are generally given with the law? There, blessing and cursing. Blessing and cursing. In Deuteronomy 28, <clears throat> verse 1, It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, if the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. By God. And it goes down um, to, to 14 verses, um, telling about the, or really 13 verses, I guess, all the blessings. Now the nation, if you keep the, if you keep the law, keep my commandments, obey me, I will bless thee. And you'll be the head of all the nations. Not a lot of verses, at least in this chapter about that. But then look at starting at verse uh, 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all, thy, all his commandments, his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So there's blessings for obedience. There's cursings for disobedience. Those are the two promises that are enveloped, if you will, in the law. If you obey, you'll get the blessings. If you disobey, you will get the cursings. And by the way, even though we're not under the law today, um, that same type of principle carries over for us, which we'll see later on in Hebrews, specifically chapter 12, where it talks about discipline. And why does God discipline his children? He disciplines every child he loves because he loves us, to conform us to him. And, and, and why do you get, to, hey, if you grew up in your household and your mom and dad or whatever, uh, and you did what? If you were spanked, if you were given a time out, if you, what did you do to deserve that? You disobeyed. And you got the cursings, as it were. If you obeyed, you got the blessings. So it's, and that's what Hebrews chapter 12 is about, because they are, and it tells about disobedience for children, God's children, same type of thing. But the law had two basic promises wrapped up with it. Obey, blessings. Disobey, cursings. Jesus says that I am not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but I'm talking about the law. But to do what? Fulfill it. Now, there are two promises to the law. The blessings based on, and the cursings based on disobedience. Now, Jesus was not going to be disobedient, obviously, but turn with me to the book of Galatians. 
Galatians oftentimes referred to as the, you know, the Judaizers trying to get them back under uh, Mosaism or Pharisaism. Uh, and the Galatians were uh, betwixt by the, the, what was taking place. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you? Who has who, who has, who has um, clouded your vision? Who has given you foggy sight? Who, who has confused you? O foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you. Um, see, they were adding works to, the, uh, to salvation, verse 2 and 3. This only what I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law. Or by the hearing of faith? Faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Well, I want to drop on down. Look at verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Now, remember the promise of the law? One of the promises was, if you don't obey, you're going to be what? Cursed. For Romans chapter 3, the law teaches us what? That we're all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, none, not one. So, verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Why? Because we're disobedient. We're not perfect. We're not obeying. You cannot, you cannot keep the law perfectly. Uh, because, then he quotes from Deuteronomy, and this is um, here in, in, in verse 10, from Deuteronomy 27, 26, where, where it says, Cursed is he that continueth not in all things of the law to do them. See, if you want to get to heaven by your own works, God requires perfection. It's not 99% perfection. It's 100%. And you're cursed if you don't keep the entire law of God perfectly your entire life from the day you're born to the day you die and keep it perfectly. You're cursed. That's what it's saying in verse 10. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law, to do them. If you break one, that's it. He tells, verse 11, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, and, and so on. But then go down to uh, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, and again goes back to Deuteronomy, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Crucifixion. See, Jesus lived a perfect life. Um, earlier it talks about this in Galatians. Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God. Never sinned. He kept the law, of, he kept the, law the Mosaic law, perfectly his entire life. I have not come to do away with the law, 
or the prophets, I am come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Now, we understand the prophets. Micah said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah said he'd be born of a virgin. Um, in 2 Samuel, he'd come from the, the, the family of David. You know, the, all the prophecies. But he came to fulfill the law. There are two sides to the law. Think of it as a coin. One side is cursing and the other side is blessing. Disobedience, you're cursed. Obedience, you're blessed. But the law for individuals can never give righteousness because all have sinned. So Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly. As a man, Jesus had every right to go to heaven and be with the Holy God. Because the requirement to get into heaven is righteousness. Perfect righteousness. Not just good works. Righteousness, what we're talking about here, is not self-righteousness. It's, it's God's righteousness. It's perfect righteousness. Jesus was perfectly righteous. Jesus, as a man, had every right to go straight to heaven and be with God. Can, we, can any man do that, other man do that? No, because we've sinned. So he fulfilled the promise of obedience of the law perfectly. Never broke it. But there's a flip side to the law, the cursing. So verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. How? By hanging on a tree. For it is written, crucifixion, for it is written, um, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, go down to verse uh, 18. Galatians 3. For if the inheritance, that's heaven, be of the law, and we, and we skip some verses here, but I'm teaching on Hebrews, not Galatians. <laughs> anyway, it really fits in uh, with verse 2, but anyway. Uh, if the inheritance be of the law, that's getting heaven, be of the law, be of the Mosaic law, be by works, it's no more a promise. The promise was the Abrahamic covenant which is ultimately by faith, Jew and Gentile coming to the Lord. So if it, if it be by law, works, it's no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serves the law. What, what does the law do for us individually? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Now who's the seed that would come? Jesus. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. The law was given by angels to Moses to the people of Israel. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. And then verse 21, it asks this question. Is the law then against the promises of God? Well, it answers it for us. God forbid. 
So if you want to go to heaven by some kind of law system, work system, one has been given to you. It's the Mosaic Law. And if you can keep the Mosaic Law perfectly, from the time you're born to the time you die, you have every right to go straight to heaven. You don't need a Savior. Who needs saviors? Sinners. If you don't break the law from the moment you're born to the moment you die, you're not a sinner. You have righteousness. You have perfection. So is the law then, verse 21, against the promises of God? No way. God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. So if you're looking for some type of work system that God approves so you can get to heaven, he's given it. The Mosaic Law. It's not the Catholic system. It's not the Buddhist system. It's not the uh, Muslim system. It's not the JWs. It's not any other law system that is out there. God gave a law, the Mosaic Law, a perfect system that if you can keep that law from the moment you're born to the moment you die, you go straight to heaven. The law is not against the promises of God. Well, what's the problem? Look at verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. See, we're lawbreakers. Everybody. Me, you, you, we're all lawbreakers. We have all transgressed the law. And so because we've broken the law, can we then, on our own merits, get the, the, the blessing portion of the law that God's promised to those who obey it? No. Because we can't obey it. We've broken it. But if we disobey it, can we get the cursings part of it? Yeah. yeah if, you, if you want to sit around and say, you know, I think my righteousness is just good enough for God. And I'm going to take a chance on my righteousness, my works. And when I stand before God, I'm going to say, God, you know, it's kind of like this balance scale, God. I'm, I'm trying to teach, you a, to teach you a lesson, God. You know, here's my good works, and, and, and my good works are just so heavy, and my bad works over, over here, and they're just not that many, and my good works far outweigh my bad works. I have a lot of righteousness, God. You've got to let me into heaven. You know, if you want to do that, whoo, you're in trouble. <laughs> Most people do think that way. That's what religion teaches. You can put all religion in one basket. You know, they, they think that way. But this, but no, the, the, so the law, see the law is not against the promise of God, but the problem is we're all under sin that the promise, verse 22, by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So see, Jesus fulfilled the law completely. He lived a perfect life. He was, he, he could have gone straight to heaven as a man because he had all the blessings. But he, verse 13, he turned around, as it were, and became a curse for us. And he took the punishment, the cursing of the law, all upon himself. My God, my, you know, we're coming up on it in two weeks, right? What, what Easter Sunday speaks about, or maybe um, 
Good Friday, really, I guess. That's when he took the, the, the wrath and he rose on the third day. Uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, God poured the wrath of, him, of God upon Jesus and the punishment of God. All the cursings that we deserve, God put on Jesus. And so Jesus not only fulfilled the law perfectly, he turned around and became a curse and fulfilled that part of the law as well. So if we accept Jesus by faith, God imputes to us complete obedience to the law, and com which means our, uh, we live perfectly. We haven't. It's, it's, it's imputed righteousness. But the, the righteousness of the law, but also the cursing. Because we don't have to pay the penalty either. Jesus paid it for us. But if you want to stand before God and say, okay, I'm, my works are better than my, my good works, better than me, he's going to say, no, depart from me. And you're going to have to be cursed. See, we can pay the cursing part of it. Cursing part of it ultimately is separation from God in hell. So the law is the schoolmaster, it goes down and tells us, verse 24, but wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Uh, it, it showed us that we're sinners. That's what the purpose of the law is for us as individuals. Now for Israel, it's a whole nother, as a nation, as a nation, it's a whole nother discussion. But as individuals, and that can be true for the individuals in Israel, but Israel as a nation there was a different uh, reason for the whole thing, but for individuals, it was a schoolmaster. It pointed us to the Redeemer. Pointed us to Jesus. So Jesus was faithful. He never sinned. The end of verse, the notes there. Um, for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Second Corinthians 5.21 Um We've talked about, I don't have time to go down there. The, the key phrase that I want to look at is, who knew no sin? Because Jesus was not made sin for us, understand that. And, and the proper understanding, we've looked at that, that Jesus was made a sin offering. He was the perfect Lamb of God. He took the wrath of God upon himself for our sin. He, was, he, he became a sin offering, and there's plenty of scriptures that back that up. So Jesus, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he had made him to be a sin offering for us who knew no sin, he was the perfect Lamb of God, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He, took, he, he, he fulfilled the law perfectly by obeying it in every jot and tittle and then turning around in every jot and tittle becoming a curse that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Moses was faithful, but Moses sinned. Jesus was faithful, never sinned. He's my, he can teach us he never sinned. We could stop right here, although we got four more verses to go. And I really expect to get up through all four. Um, this alone tells you why Jesus is better than Moses. They're both faithful. But Moses was faithful, but he sinned. Jesus was faithful. He never sinned and became our atonement, our sacrifice. Okay, in, in two weeks we will pick this up. 
We'll close with a word of prayer shortly. Um, Dan will be teaching next week because uh, somebody said years ago, go west, young man, go west. Um, so next week, I'm going west um, with my bride. Three weeks, not next week? Okay, yes. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about Passover now. And for, oh, yes, in three weeks, I'll pick this up. Thank you. See, that's what, she gives good input, Bob. I, you know, she, you know. Anyway, next week, Cheryl and I are going west, so we're not going to be here. Um, but Dan will be in John, back in John, chapter 5. Um, see, every now and then when I don't, you know, we're not going too far west. We're going to Asheville. Um, it is west. And uh, so, Lord willing, we'll be, then we have the Passover in two weeks, as, as Cheryl said, so we won't have the Bible study in two weeks. So, Lord willing, in three weeks, we'll pick it up uh, and we'll study it. And Dan's going to get a number of shots because after that, I've got to take some people to Israel. Um, we leave on the 9th of um, April, and so that means 8th, 7th, on the 6th of April, which is week after Good Friday, Lord willing, we'll be looking, I don't I can't, I'm not promising we get through these six verses in three weeks. I'm hoping we will. But then I'll be gone to Israel and Dan will be teaching again. You may even get into chapter six, Dan. This will be amazing. Dan's been in John now for what, two years, three years? Um, you thought I was slow, but when he only gets a shot once every three or four months. Anyway, Next week, Dan will be teaching, and uh, Dan does a good job. Um, and so his daughter, Lauren, will be running the, um, all the stuff back there. Right, Lauren? <laughs> huh? Okay, any questions before you? And we got a bunch of goodies, I'm sure, and uh, fellowship. Any questions before we pray or comments? Well, the perfect law of liberty is what we're under now. The law was done away. The Mosaic law was done away with, um, and 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 and, and we, we. It's not that we're lawless. We're not under the Ten Commandments. We're not under any of the law. The Ten Commandments have no hold on us. It's, it's such an erroneous understanding by so many Christians. You you ask ten Christians, you know, are the are the Ten Commandments for us today? Nine of them will say yes, and one will say, I don't know, you know, I bet, you know usually. The Ten Commandments are not for any of us. They're, 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 they're done away with, they're gone, they're off the scene, that type of thing. But we're not lawless, we're not antinomian. There are, but, but today we're under the law of Christ, the perfect law of liberty. It's also called the royal law. And that's new laws that we find in, in the epistles. Um, of the Ten Commandments, nine of them are repeated in the epistles. The only one that is not is Sabbath keeping. Um, that type of thing. And the illustration I always share, when we lived in California, when I drove a car, I stopped at the stop sign, went on the green light, stopped at the red light. That time. Why? 
because the law of the state of California said that's what I must do or I'll pay a penalty if I break it. When I moved to North Carolina, hey, I came to the same octagonal sign and it looks the same as in California. So I said, I better stop. And I came to the green light and I went and I came to the red light and I stopped because I stopped at those two and went on the green light. Why? Because the law of California told me I needed to do it? No. Because now I'm under a different law. I'm under the law of North Carolina when I drive. And so I do that because the law of, Cal the law of California has no longer any jurisdiction whatsoever over me. But the law of North Carolina does. And it just so happens that there are some common laws here that were there also. But I don't stop at the stop sign here because the law of California tells me to. That has no hold on me. So I don't, I, I don't dishonor my mom and dad. They're, they're dead now because the Mosaic law tells me. I do it because the epistles tell me to honor my mother and dad. I don't covet as much as possible. But anyway. Thank God for First John one nine. <laughs> um, you know, you can go on down the list because so, uh, the perfect law of liberty uh, is like a, is is the law of Christ. Now it's a lot of the same laws, but we're not under the law of Moses. So we're under the law of Christ today, or the royal law, or the perfect law of liberty. And when we look, look into that perfect law of liberty, you know, we're we're, we're still not looking too good. You know, it's like when you wake up in the morning and you look at the mirror and say, who is this stranger, honey, in our house? I don't recognize this guy. And then you take away the, you know, oh, that's me, okay. Um, so anyway, maybe that, that answered your question? Okay. Okay, let's, let's pray and uh, then um, I forget what the goodies are, but there's always um, non-caloric choices the the non-caloric choice is no thank you so not many of you do that okay let's pray father thank you for your goodness and love shalom this is mark robinson executive director of jewish awareness ministries thanking you for listening to our bible study these jewish awareness podcasts are teaching ministry of Jewish Awareness Ministries. If you have questions about the study that you just listened to, or would like additional information, go to our website, jewishawareness.org, email us at office at jewishawareness.org, or call us at 919-275-4419. Shalom.